Hello, everyone, and welcome to this very special episode of Beholder's Eye. This is what I like to call the recap episode of all that happened in season one. It's essentially a compilation of all of our recaps that happen at the beginning of every episode, starting from episode three. We did not record them for the first two, as we didn't have that idea yet, and we were still getting the hang of things. So, so after this brief introduction, I will go ahead and summarize those for you. I hope that this serves as a pretty good primer for anybody new to the show, knowing what happened in general in the first season, as all of these recaps are our recollection every session of what happened in the previous one. So I think it does encapsulate the most important bits. If you would like to delve deeper into what actually happened and listen to the episodes, you'll be able to find them on our website at www.beholdersipod.com under the season one archive where all of the episodes are stored in their original form. Um, We're splitting them out there because this is becoming a pretty big, big endeavor for us and we have hundreds of them at this point. You will also be able to find uh, seasons two and three recaps um, in case you are looking for those on the website as well. And in each of these, you will find that they are bookmarked with the individual episodes and general chapter breakdown of how I felt the season went. And they should line up exactly with all of the different episodes in case you're just looking to get caught up on one. Without further ado, I will recap the first two episodes and some of the most important bits. So we open up with our our three main protagonists at the beginning of the show, Margraine, Magnar, and Hibonite. They fight a few goblins and almost die in the process. Doesn't speak well for how things will go in the future, for sure. We then proceed to have a chat about magic and the Church of Theos, and it's alluded to that the church tries to control magic in many ways, and there's not many magic users outside of it. We learn Margraine and Magnar have a common tie in the form of the paladin Dunsmere, who has sent Magnar there in order to help him with a mysterious task. We then travel through the foothills of the Pleiades to the town of Kringle Falls, where we learn that there is a tournament going on in front of the head of the sect of St. Eligius, a part of the Church of Theos. While arriving in town, they find the main antagonist of season one, Zorg, the dragonborn paladin, who proceeds to beat up a halfling druid, and because of a difference in theological opinion, you could say, Magnar doesn't take kindly to this and tries to punch him, provoking a fight. Hibonite uh, uses the first of his AoE spells for the season and takes out some innocent bystanders. Margraine tries to heal them with his healer's kit, and all of the crew, in- including Zorg, are then thrown into jail by Sheriff Abigail, thus donning the moniker of the worst heroes for the episode. We then go into episode two, where they start off in jail, and Hibonite proves to try to manipulate Zorg by showing him his magical powers. Margraine then tries to preach to his new formed friends, and the other two seem more preoccupied with trying to antagonize Zorg. 
Margrain and Zorg agree to fight each other when they get out of prison in the tournament. And Margrain tries to convince him that this is a good idea, rolling an eight, thus coining eight as the number for the podcast, as we seem to roll a lot of those. Hibonite continues to mess with Zorg by speaking messages directly into his mind, driving him pretty crazy. We're then introduced to the head paladin of the Church of St. Eligius, Elaine Nelos. We explain exactly what happened and try to justify it and are released on from prison because they don't feel we can do much more harm. We arrange to meet the bishop of the Church of St. Eligius uh, the night after the tournament in order to arrange a job with him. Um, Margraine and Zorg meet up at the tournament and proceed to fight each other and Hibonite proceeds to cheat by making Zorg hear the sound of bees in his armor and speaking directly into his mind again. No help at all from Hibonite. Margraine proceeds to beat Zorg soundly and wins Elaine a bunch of money in the process as he's the only one who bet on him during this endeavor. They then all proceed to go to the bishop and last thing they hear from Zorg is him leaving as a sore loser. They meet with Bishop Ulysses and Magnar explains his full intent. He has been sent by Dunsmere in order to look for Magnar's missing wife and unborn child. They've been stolen by a group of mage hunters as everyone in Magnar's group is a marvelous sorcerer like he is. The bishop arranges that the church will help find these mage hunters in exchange for a favor from Magnar and Hibonite with Margraine tagging along to make sure it gets done. They are told of a mysterious metal called red, red silver and that there is a missing shipment of it from a mine that was supposed to be delivered to the church. They are sent to investigate this mine and the first waypoint along their way is the Trapper's Lodge. They head out that very night to proceed to this Trapper's Lodge and that's where we catch up with the actual recaps. Um, you'll hear the much more fresh and authentic versions in our own voice right after this. I hope that you enjoy this endeavor as I think it's pretty cool overall. And if you do need to delve deeper into the episodes or just listen to our new stuff, you'll be able to find that on our podcast feed or website at www.beholdersipod.com. Thank you and I hope you enjoy it. We we finished up with the we finished up with the uh the Trapper's Lodge, didn't we? Yeah, I think we and started we the Trapper's Lodge. Yeah, and we 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 started the Trapper's Lodge. Uh we decided that we're not going to go into the the running the bar business. Uh, I was Unfortunately, a little disappointed. Yeah. Yeah, um but but you know things only went up from there you know we we definitely we definitely uh made an improvement we we got to the mine which was nice uh hadn't seen a mine in a while uh Margrain was very excited and uh uh we were immediately encountered uh one of my dying brethren so that's nice uh pulled into the into the mine by a a, a beast um who i proceeded to flail at wildly and do a bunch of nothing uh, let's see. Uh, we decided after, you know, talking to those guys and, you know, them being, you know, springing upon us out of nowhere and completely wrecking us, we decided, you know, the best thing to do would be to take a nap for, for about an hour. 
um, and uh, and then uh, as far as I can tell, the world ended. Um, so yeah, a mountain fell on a me. Demon um, thing got released. Yeah, yeah, a long spindly red demon thingy. Right, and uh, and uh, one thing that happened is while you guys were resting, there was some singing and chanting going on that sounded yep, very the smell of blood. Yeah, it was uh, very disturbing, but you guys were just like, nah, I gotta take a nap. <laughs> yeah, we need an hour nap. Um, we're, we're, yeah, we're, 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 we're smart. Um, yeah. Oh, that, that's right. Um, I failed at running. We all failed. <laughs> at, we failed so bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, 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 yeah, I just couldn't run. Um, you know. All right. So, um, we woke up dead or dying, I guess, <laughs> in a black light. Uh, or not a black light, but black area. Um, we found ourselves confronted by a grayish human, Mel, Melblum? Melblum. Melblum, uh, who's the gatekeeper to our death, apparently. And so, in order to, we got granted a reprieve by something or someone, and we have to pass three trials, reasoning, might, and judgment. Uh, we passed the reasoning, well, Margraine and, Hibonite passed their reasoning. I, Mar, I, Magnar did not. And then I failed my role as well. So I have one death save failure, which is awesome. Then we got transported to a courtroom where we had to determine, uh, guilt or innocence of, uh, a gnome who possibly killed his master or the, uh, the elf who is, was the master's father. Um, and after a very long deliberation, we came to the conclusion that there was not enough evidence to proceed. And we passed that trial. So now we're on to the might trial. We had a fight against ourselves. They were as inept as us, us as well. My alternative managed to kill himself with fire, the one thing he's good at using. A tiger jumped, managed to jump into a river of lava and kill itself. There was a spiral staircase that I don't think we went up off the top of my memory. And we managed to win and we saw a senator and an elf as we went towards the light. Yeah, getting pulled out of the rubble. Pretty cool. Yeah. We awoke to a senator and a couple of elves helping us out of our rubble we were extremely tired after our six day dirt nap we decided we will go with the helpful um, rangers to castle delacroix who don't like magical people um, whilst we were resting that night i was contacted by some green gorilla looking devils who referred to me as their cousin and that we had woken their mother and that I could join them. I promptly turned them down after getting a bit confused about them not understanding taverns. We had a small fight. We managed to win somehow with our exhaustion level. We went to a small town called Mossville. Um, the people there had been attacked and people and some of their villagemen had been taken northeast by people with red skin in cloth armour and we rested in their tavern after deciding we were going to help them and we told our escorts that we were helping them. One of them isn't happy about it. Yeah, right. One of them is not very happy about helping yep. them. In fact, the elf is not, but uh, Cam the centaur, who is the, the captain, um, he is happy so and wants to do it. Alright, so we woke up from the inn from our nice rest. Still a little exhausted but doing better and we started traveling on trying to find these missing villagers, the kidnapped villagers by the red demon guys. Came across a building 
an overgrown building that had some chanting cultists in it. Uh, well, the demon guys. We tried to, <laughs> we did very bad at trying to surprise the people inside. Vec ended up getting an arrow to the head, killing her. Margraine was put to sleep by Hibonite accidentally. And then Margraine ended up, after waking up, ended up just destroying this sorcerer cultist guy. And we're all in very, very bad shape. We had had left after fighting all of those those red red skinned uh for lack of a better word demons uh we had we had searched the bodies we found this one really strange book on uh, in the rib cage of what looked like what like a shaman or a, or or a sorcerer um we then uh the the this black kind of almost aura was coming out of some of the the, the captives and all of their eyes went black and they were starting to to to, to chant um that uh a toddy man comes um and we then let's see we figured out by removing them from there that they they were that they were okay but the two with the the auras one turned into one of the red skinned creatures and the other one we were lucky to put to sleep and it was okay we had to kill the other though uh, we returned to the to the town of uh, mooresville and returned these people uh, they were they were very very thankful for our service and then we we head off um, on, on the on the journey, we learned some new things because of Hibonite reading that book. He turned out it's a grimoire of sorts, and um, it talks about some stuff from we're suspecting a very long time ago uh when we arrived at castle delacroix uh we were we were surrounded by soldiers and asked to relinquish our weapons and we were put in manacles and we were taken to prison again so we started off in um duke delacroix's uh castle where uh well we we started it off in a in a cell yeah in a dungeon again um and we we, we talked we talked to him and this this lady Lady. Oh, and and man, she cast the 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 strongest spell on us. Twenty five save on it, crazy. Uh, but it's okay. It was just circle of truth. I was planning on telling the truth anyway. Um, he wanted to know about what we were what we were doing, and you know, we we, we told him, and he was okay with that. Uh, followed by he gave us some very nice rooms, and then we uh the next day there was a very important dinner that we went to with like literally some of the most important people in the country. Um, uh, yeah, we, we definitely fit in there. Um, yeah, um, Hibonite, Hi Hibonite really hit it off with, with the, the lady who cast the spell on us. Uh, yeah, the, the two birds of a feather, I guess. Um, and we, we ended the night with some, some intrigue, so... So it started off, the three of us had visions of our individual gods. They gave us kind of direction and some really sweet items. And then we met up the following day, trying to figure out what we're going to do. And Magnar is on a path now to find his wife and child. And the other two are following along, I guess, until Margraine figures out what he's supposed to do. And we hitched a ride with Blevin, who we don't really trust necessarily, because he's headed towards the mountains. And and that's where Vodhava is, supposedly. Assuming Ulfur isn't lying to Magnar. <laughs>
we were travelling with our new best friend who we completely trust, <laughs> Father Belevus. We talked to him a little bit whilst travelling towards Pleiades Mountains to go through the pass. And during this time, he told us some rumours of bandits, the dead returning to their families, great monsters, and he denied the rumours of mage hunters. He, I revealed that I'd been to the Pleiades Mountains before to him. And then we had also, we attacked, we got, we found some bandits who we proceeded to dispatch we gained a free cart and we saw a village on fire and as we proceeded towards the village we found a group of red hands who said that the holy people we were with were not true holy men and they were corrupt so we proceeded to dispatch with them as well so so we, we started off right after our big fight last time uh we bound the man uh the in the plate up and we threw him in the back of our cart and continued on to the town because there was still smoke we got to the town and pretty much all the buildings and stuff were on fire. Um, it was a pretty grim scene. There were people burned and they had like signs and stuff that said like, you know, demon and witch and, you know, sorcerer and stuff. Um, and they'd all been killed and burned and stuff. And we continued on. And in like the center of the town, there was like a platform with this woman tied up and like 30 red hands um, around. And, you know, they're all chanting to kill her. They were saying she was a witch and i made the smart decision of uh well i'll just charge them and try and break through their ranks on my horse uh that didn't turn out too well let's see i charged in got knocked off my horse uh hit to within an inch of my life uh the rest of them all then came in after me magnar also charged through <laughs> made it through with his horse and got to the stage hibonite then followed us up and he took out a bunch of them but then was then dropped but then brought back up by by our our surprisingly cleric friends now um <laughs> and then he just laid waste to a bunch of them uh, and we surprisingly made it out alive after people playing whack-a-mole with margraine dropping getting dropped <laughs> you know getting back up dropping it, it, so on and so forth rinse repeat um and we made it out alive surprisingly um so surprisingly we engaged a little bit of mild torturing of a person we captured from the last fight Marga, uh, Magna got bewitched of which that lady then escaped during the night and killed the person we were captive mild torturing but yeah same thing we then got continued our travels in our travels we got ambushed uh, Father Belevin got split up from us uh, as we retained the last guy he got an arrow through the head from some red demons we started off in yet another fight uh, we were against some of those red demon things uh still don't know what those are entirely other than transformed people uh we surprisingly got out of it um i thought we were gonna die uh hibonite got dropped uh magnar got put to sleep uh i got to help save blevin a little bit that was cool um, we, once we killed them, oh, we searched the bodies and Margraine checked the chest of the shaman again and we found another book, which is kind of creepy. Uh, and then let's see, we decided we needed to sleep. So we, we, we kind of, we took a rest and we talked to Blevin a little bit. Margraine likes Blevin even more than he did before. <laughs> and... Then we talked as a group about what we're going to do about this whole book thing, because Mar Magnar just got a message from Brommel asking if we have it yet, so we will see. And uh, we left off the night with uh, a minotaur walking out of the woods into our camp. Friendly minotaur. He talked back to you. That doesn't mean he's friendly. Oh. <laughs> 
You said hi. He said hi back. Well, he's got manners, at least. <laughs> um, we met a Minotaur. He was a bounty hunter looking for a red-headed elf girl. Uh, we invited him to camp with us, and then we traveled with him to the town of Paragon, where he departed to do something. We uh, walked into an inn, the Ambrosia Nap Inn, where we met uh, the elf girl, Zalara, and... Then we confronted Blevin, and uh, it didn't go the way anyone expected. And then Magnar grabbed the book, and we rolled initiative. We started in the tavern, the Ambrosia Nap, and Magnar had grabbed the book from Blevin, and he had run out of the place, and Blevin started to chase Magnar as he ran out the door. And so uh, Hibonite turned into another Magnar, ran the opposite direction, and the rest of us chased both of them out the door. Magnar, in the meantime, actually got to the blue root with the book, and showed it to the appropriate person there and got the information he wanted, but then decided to take the book back. Meanwhile, Margraine, Zalara, and uh, Hibonite were out in the street fighting with Blevin. We picked up uh, at the end of the fight with Blevin. Uh, Margraine was trying to put him put him to sleep and, and successfully did that. Uh, also, we picked up with the, the other two as Magnar was running out of the brothel because uh, he he had he had a little bit of trust issues. Uh, he didn't know who to trust, and uh, he was speedily followed by some some sex workers. So that was nice. Uh, they weren't very happy with him. Pleasure merchants. Pleasure merchants. Prosta people. Right. Prosta people. Um, yeah, I think that's that's all the jokes. Um, victims. Victims. Yes, we could call them victims. But yeah, we they they were running from them. Uh, he encountered Hibonite. Hibonite then proceeded to set them all alight and burn them to death uh, Def- defend his companion you mean to the horror Def- of everyone <laughs> yes yes except the sheriff still defense oh the, the sheriff was thrilled who doggy um and then let's see uh margraine took all of blevin's things except for his gold which somebody else might have picked up or something um, <laughs> maybe and and we we saw the red hands come into town. Uh, we kind of booked it because we were all not doing too well at that kind of, at that point. We thought we'd regroup, we'd come back, we'd kick the red hands' ass, and uh, they killed everybody pretty much in the night. Uh, so yeah, uh, him and I figured that out and went into the town, talked, and we kind of formulated our plan what we were going to do. So yeah, that we were we were gonna we were gonna kick the red red hand out that this was something that had to be dealt with before we left for Magnar's wife. We debated a little bit about how to go about getting the red hand out of the town. And while we were debating, some uh, friendly people led by a kitty man came up to us. And they uh, wanted to take Magnar and Hibonite because they had destroyed a bunch of prostitutes in town, uh, supposedly without any kind of reason. And then uh, after we decided or they decided that we were OK because we were going to go wipe out some some of the bad guys in town, uh, they said that they would back us up. And so we went off to town to go see what was going on and try to sneak up. And lo and behold, everyone was coming out of their houses because 
because the bells were ringing. And Zorg and his right-hand man, not Alal, were coming out to have some soldiers killed by displacer beasts. And as we snuck up to see what was going on, Magnar and uh, and Margraine decided to charge in and take care of things. And Margraine died for a little while, and then we all ran away as fast as we could. But we did manage to take out Zorg and a few of the soldiers as we did so. Yeah, like a quarter of the guys. It was actually a surprising success. <laughs> it was pretty heavy on me for some of it. So we looted Zorg's corpse and found a healing potion, which we then immediately used to bring Margraine back to life. Uh, whilst we were trying to get away from town to camp, our good old friends found us and decided we were helping them to take the, the town back. Uh, I met with a woman called Sophie, no H, Silent J, who turns out is from the Windwalkers, which is something that Hibernite has an interest in finding out about. Uh, she didn't really take to me, and God knows why, she must be a bit crazy. Doesn't like handshakes. Afterwards, she said if we survive, she'll talk more, so... Hibernite set out about that. There was a conversation with Margraine and Magna about if we have time for retaking the town, and we Margraine managed to convince him that we do. Uh, Triple Red, which is Hibernite and Zalara, decided we'll sneak into the town. We ended with Zalara climbing onto a rooftop and Hibonite stuck at a checkpoint failing his deception save. Oh, check. So Hibonite and Zalara, well, I guess it was Hibonite got confronted, um, failed a persuasion check and then was immediately knocked out, um, and taken to the center of town. And then we fought our way to him at the end, uh, along with the help of the Kalandor soldiers. Uh, we, we, did very, very well. Um, unfortunately, Alal was killed while Zalara was knocked out, um, but he is dead. And now we're kind of regrouping in the end. Okay, and that's where we'll pick it up. You guys are, you've just done this massive combat. Zalara's on the ground, covered in blood, crying. She had just removed the head from Ilal, screamed and dropped it. Um, Hibonite is feeling pretty pleased with himself. He just blew a bunch of people up with his thunder wave. Um, Magnar's had a good bloody time. Margraine's just healed up uh, Gray. And um, Hibonite also got a little thumbs up from Sophie, which is the most... <laughs> uh, response he's gotten from her so far. So we were finishing up with the battle against the Red Hand in the city of Paragon, I believe. And then once we cleaned up all the mess there and we spent a night, we went on a lovely trek. Um, after dealing with the people who were after Hibonite and Magnar, uh, for killing all the Prosta people, we were given a reprieve and basically told to go attempt to get away. And so we did. And we did really well trekking through the mountains, and we got to the city of Dernholm, which is uh, Margraine's home city. And once we got there, we got inside and spent the night at an inn. And then Hibonite and and uh, Magnar were taken anyway for their crimes against the Prosta people. So um, we start off. We uh, Margraine <laughs> Magnar. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, it's your character, oh, man. Spreading. Wow. All right. Magnar and make sure you leave that in, Sam. Magnar <laughs> and Hibonite. Um, 
we go into the paddy wagon. We get hauled off to the embassy uh, of the whoever the queen lady and uh, Margraine and Zalara search out the warden. Is that what he is? Um, he's the captain of the guard, I think. Yep. Mm-hmm. And tell him what's going on. He realizes that it's very suspicious. So he goes off to warn the Jarl while Margraine and Zalara go to Margraine's palatial mansion. <laughs> Um, I guess that's the same thing. The uh, uh, Zalara gets asked if she's bearing Margraine's child by Margraine's mother. Um, of course, we don't know the answer. But probably not. <laughs> I think I know the answer. Oh. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, then Magnar and Hibonite attempt to escape prison that they're in this uh, very dark and dank prison that probably has never been used or hasn't been used in a long time. So, non-regulation. Yes, non-regulation. <laughs> Uh, we escape the cell, Flawlessly. and on our way out, we see two guards and the half-orc that captured us coming towards us, uh, acting very, well, the half-orc acting very suspiciously. We hide, get caught, and then the half-orc kills the two guards, tells us to run, and we run. After taking the swords of the guards, and then uh, the half-orc yells that we murdered two more people, so. Yep. And you which this time it. is not true. <laughs> this time. We started with uh, Margraine, no, Magnar and Hibernite had just gotten out of the uh, embassy. We cut over to uh, Margraine and Zalara uh, talking to Margraine's dad, getting a bit of background on their, ca- on their situation, call- um, saying the council would be called together. Uh, Ma- that was Ma- Magna and Hibernite ran into the city and got sanctuary, which stops the pursuit. And Margraine's mum was singing Totty Man, and there was a lot of talking about the different political powers inside the council and how to get them on side against the decision of the queen. We were... Magnar and Hibonite had gotten into the inner city of Durnholm, and they got to actually my family... to Margraine's family's house. Uh, they spoke to his father, and, uh, and now the timeline is a little bit extended, at least for the Hibonite Magnar possibly getting, you know, executed thing, because now they have asylum from Durnholm. Uh, it's definitely a very fraught kind of political situation, but but we've got two people that we really need to to convince to our side uh, in order to kind of get through this. Uh, we've got uh, Kaya Granite, who's a pretty big player in town. Uh, she runs a, a mining operation that's uh, that's kind of in competition with with Luxor's. Um, and we've got Port Gembrake, who who really like getting either of them on our side on this whole Hibonite Magnar situation will be beneficial for getting out of this unscathed. Um, so we, we've decided to start with with Port by speaking to uh, the priest Grinder because if we can get him on our side, then Port will follow suit. Um, so Grinder, uh, he's a priest of Grumish, uh, one of the old gods, and he's found a lot of interesting information about it. Um, he thinks Grumish has given him uh, this book, and there's this whole kind of under under temple to the temple. Uh, so we've agreed to go under there. 
on good faith of Hibonite, who says he has more information about this. So uh, if we can do this task for him to get this thing out of there because it's deadly, then he will he, he we will have him on our side and thus have Port on our side in the negotiation. And I think that's where we were going to go down there. He just sent us off and this giant vestibule uh, had, you know, been exposed to us for us to go under the under the temple. We were talking to the cleric fellow and he opened up into this vestibule chamber thing um, and we walked in and immediately had to make some wisdom saves because there was a nasty goat thing that we ended up having to take down and then uh, as we walked in further there's a giant hole in the bottom of like the, the churchy part of the church and then a crow type thing? I don't quite know how to describe it. Came out after us and we had to take it down and then Magnar realized that it would be a lot easier if he, you know, actually had all the stuff that he normally would be wearing. So now he and I are at the bottom of the hole and I think we're going to leave. We all almost died multiple times. Or some <laughs> of us at least. I was fine. Um, I am not currently. <laughs> uh, Margarine's seen better days. <laughs> Alright, so um, we finished the fight with the giant crow monster thing. Um, Magnar and Zalara were down in the hole. They heard voices in their heads and it scared the crap out of them. So they ran up or well, they Margraine threw a rope down to them and they climbed up as fast as they could. Although they did see a hideous face monster, uh, but they left the church or yeah. And then uh, told Grinder that they'd be back. We regrouped at the Margraine's house and Hibonite rested up while the other three went to Madame Granite's house or a uh, place of business to um, try to get her on their side so that they can get off the hook for going to jail for murder. Um, it was self-defense, which is funny that I said we won't murder because <laughs> that's what we're going to jail for. But anyways, um, uh, so uh, Madame Granite wanted favors from everybody without telling them what the favor was. Magna refused on the basis that it could have been murder. <laughs> so um, they left and then regrouped again with Hibonite. And Hibonite had the brilliant idea of um, talking to her, altering the deal so everything would be above board, um, which she actually agreed to. And then she immediately asked Margraine for a favor, which was uh, to influence the church to take control of the magic users. We went into the under citadel and everyone else went in the same palmy. Uh, Magna got paralyzed, Margraine got terrified, and Zalara just spoke slightly differently. <laughs> slightly. <laughs> we were attacked by four, um, like lots of face creatures. Managed to deal with them not too badly this time. We headed down, uh, we lit the um, fire pit in that room, headed down where we then opened up a door and a weird dark spider like creature thing nearly killed us by doing massive damage. We managed to survive, barely, and headed into the uh, ritual-esque room, which had four different stone dwarf statues and a obsidian ritual coffin, I'm guessing, with a large gem on top of it. Uh, I opened up the book that I've been terrified of all this time and opened up the obsidian um, coffin. Uh, we fought the statues, which we defeated by disabling them through gold, copper, iron, and gemstones. Uh, they did massive damage in the one attack they got, and we ended with hearing Marat Hall saying, Thanks for rise, uh, raising me. I don't like it. Not one bit. Yeah, surprisingly, Hibonite's really happy with the whole event. No. 
<laughs> uh, we went back to uh, Grinder in order to fulfill the end of our agreement or not. We weren't actually planning on it, but I guess, you know, plans uh, change. Uh, <laughs> we, we ended up actually unleashing Marat Hall last episode, um, despite our better efforts. Yeah, we, we were trying not to, but the book got pulled out of Hibonite's hands and everything. And yeah, it couldn't be avoided. Um, let's see. Hibonite decided to attack a, a, a god or a demigod. So that went well, <laughs> as can be expected. Um, we all survived, uh, despite our better efforts. Um, let's see. Uh, then there was a meeting of the council, and everybody who made deals with us upheld their ends of the bargain. Um, Shock. They, they all voted for us, and Durnholm cleared Hibonite and Magnar's name. Um, there's no more warrants out for their arrest. They told us not to count on help in the future, but that, you know, that this is, this is the thing. Um, everybody got to spend some nice time in Durnholm doing things, you know, uh, seeing around Margraine's house, talking to his mother. Um, Margraine did a lot of praying and just, you know, just hanging out, you know, being at home. It was nice. And we finished up with heading out. Um, we're finally- And we got more healing potions. We did. We got more healing potions. We got like six total now throughout the entire group. So <laughs> after 28 episodes. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's nice. Uh, that's pretty insane for a D&D game. Yeah. 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 And we we take a lot of damage. We go through a lot of healing and we don't have a lot of healing potions. I'm surprised how we made it. And um, also, uh, Zalara was able to find out a little bit about her past and how that corresponds with actually uh, Magnar or Margaine's mother. Um <laughs> Yeah, that's insane. Tamika was my best friend, in case you were wondering. We we left Durnholm. We actually started our foray into the mountains. Um, it was a pretty hard slog for a while, and we ran into a fight of some red demons and and some, some soldiers, you know? Uh, we found out after all the soldiers died, and, you know, we finished killing the demons, that all of those soldiers were, were friends of ours, Gray and Sophie and everybody, so that was fun. Um, we, we, we gave them a nice funeral pyre, uh, thank Thankfully, and you know, nice, nice rights, and took some of their, you know, personal possessions and stuff in case we can ever get those to people that actually, you know, might miss them. And continued on, and we left off with some really creepy stuff happening, and a thing I don't quite know what it is, and you know, uh, yeah, lots of limbs, and you know, if I'm remembering correctly, like an amalgamation of like bodies and stuff, and like crying. Uh, so that's a thing. So yeah. Also, Hibonite taught Magnar how to cast uh, magic harder by yelling. <laughs> really loud so it's a powerful lesson that's right you must not very can't abuse it the most barbarian way to cast harder spells <laughs> so we talked to the monstrosity of people um found out that there's a green look green robed lady who's controlling some monster and i guess the monster turned these people into the blob uh maybe a hundred years ago um so we promised to help them any way we could so we started climbing up to the and duly switched back, I believe. Um, and we made it up there. We saw some dwarves, or was it just one dwarf and other types of people, or just a dwarf expedition? No, I think it, was it was a dwarf. A dwarf it was a yeah, it was a dwarf, and then there were a few other just humanoids of, of different types. Oh, okay. So we found some frozen people, and as we were <laughs> looting their bodies, a chimera attacked us, and we started fighting it. Zalara jumped off of Magnar, attacked it, and then proceeded to fall off the edge. She caught herself, and then as she was climbing 
climbing back up. Uh, she slipped and fell. So at the end of not last episode, the episode before. Kim was falling. From this, she was able to survive from a visit from a monk. We, a uh, monk ghost person that she knew. We then reclimbed the mountain, made camp at the top. When we went to the next section, we saw a frost giant who was a forced bodyguard for a fortress. We ran past him. He got hurt a lot because he wasn't able to obey his magical commands. Uh, Margraine convinced the door to open itself whilst being <laughs> carried by Magna. <laughs> And then he also convinced someone inside the fortress to let us through whilst being carried by a Goliath. <laughs> and we managed to get to the door of Kuldana, I believe Kuldana. her name was. yes. Who was the mother patron of the Order of Cowley. I turned Zalara and Magna invisible so they can go explore and try and find Magna's wife whilst me and Margaret went into the room and found Magna's wife. <laughs> <laughs> We managed to get in and we were, uh, Magnar and Zalara were invisible and we decided to go find the dungeon. We found some dude doing some alchemist type stuff and then we found the dungeon dungeon and tried to break in and we heard a screaming something inside and Magnar about lost his mind and almost broke the door down, but Zalara managed to calm him down enough to just be like, hey, let me lockpick this. And then while they were doing that, Margraine and Hibonite were in the room room talking to Vadhava and mother Caldona and she and Vadhava uh, apparently doesn't believe that she's even Magnar's wife and that Magnar attacked and killed their entire caravan including her real husband so that was (laughs) a disturbing thing to learn or that she believes anyway and then we got through and Zolaris snagged a necklace off the the mother Caldona and we went downstairs and saw all of their terrible, terrible, terrible things that they're doing to people. So we were in the castle and we started by fighting with, I have forgotten her name, Mother. Coldona. Coldona. And we fought with her. And then once that fight started, she said some very nasty things that made Margraine question his existence and what he was doing with his life. And so as the fight ended, she ran away. The other uh, priests, I guess they were. Uh, they all were either dead or sleeping at the end. Margraine was in a pile on the floor crying and Magnar had run up to try to go find his friend? Why? No, I, we don't I was know. Going, I was going after Coldona. Oh, right. I thought she was going to the apothecary because she was hurt and then right, and my then, maybe wife, Hibonite, followed know. her. Blinded me. Yeah. Blinded you with color spray. Yeah. And Hibonite thankfully was there to go chase her down and he turned invisible rather than burning her alive and went into her room and we ended with him trying to talk her down and her uh, casting fireball and killing Hibonite. Uh, so He's currently laying in her room, uh, and we don't know what happened to her. So, um, so Hibonite woke to, or not woke, I guess he was just in a vision dream. Um, he was denied entry into the afterlife because his kind can no longer go there. I think because Kazdrak is imprisoned. Is that more or less? Yep. Why? So Kazdrak said, you have to save us all because if you die, then the rest of our kind can never enter at the afterlife. Um, no pressure. And it, there was a bunch of different names. I don't know if they were all the same or not, but it sounded weird. It was, I think some lady trapped them. Is that uh, right? Uh, uh, yeah, uh, Antona uh, or something like that? Anatona. Anatona. 
Um, yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, then the rest of the, or Zolara kind of gets Margraine to pull himself together a bit, and they pick up Magnar and go and find Vadahava, who is uh, giving birth, um, but not before they come into a hallway that takes them to an alternate dimension, or another dimension, uh, where some monsters are lurking. We uh, go inside, help her give birth. Well, the other two help her give birth. Um, Magnar's not much use. Um, and Hibonite doesn't want to help her because she just blew him up. Fair. <laughs> um, Magnar goes into the hall and is again attacked, or not again, but is attacked by the these tendril demon smoke monster things. Um, We're not lost, the, dang it. Yeah, well. Um, we go, our, so baby's born, it's definitely half Goliath, so I'm pretty sure I'm the father. Um, and this room is has some anchor runes around it, so we are not swipping, swapping between dimensions, and so we think we're safe, at least from that threat, and we're trying to decide what to do. We spent a little while trying to decide what to actually do in our situation, whether to leave the castle, take the baby, take not take the, um, the mother with her, take both. We kind of decided they had to stay together as a group. It's a complete unanimous decision. And then, <laughs> while we, we, we were debating, Hibonite decided to actually talk to the mother and convinced her. <laughs> what a concept. It's not, yeah, he, he tried talking instead of burning. And then um, he actually managed to convince her to leave the place because it's not good for a small child, you know, to be turned into a super weapon. Um, him and Magna decided to go get her some food and then got stuck by tentacle monsters in an alternate, alternate dimension in the hallway and got beaten on quite heavily. Managed to kill do. them. And then we got downstairs and we hear the clattering of a kitchen after we realised we didn't know where our kitchen was. <laughs> How lucky. <laughs> we spent a little while trying to decide what to actually do in our situation, whether to leave the castle, take the baby, take not take the, um, the mother with her, take both. We kind of decided they had to stay together as a group. It's a complete unanimous decision. And then, <laughs> while we, we, we were debating, Hibonite decided to actually talk to the mother and convinced her... <laughs> what a concept. It's not, yeah, he, he tried talking instead of burning. And then um, he actually managed to convince her to leave the place because it's not good for a small child, you know, to be turned into a super weapon. Um, him and Magna decided to go get her some food and then got stuck by tentacle monsters in an alternate, alternate dimension in the hallway and got beaten on quite heavily. Managed to kill do. them. And then we got downstairs and we hear the clattering of a kitchen after we realised we didn't know where our kitchen was. <laughs> How lucky. <laughs> uh, Hibonite and Magnar decided to uh, go get Vodhava some venison in order to, to feed the, the, the newly, you know, the new mother. And they encountered tentacle monsters in the hallway. And that was pretty interesting. They almost died. So, well, they got very close. Uh, they did succeed, though. They killed the tentacle monsters. And they proceeded downstairs to where they heard the sounds of almost like a banquet going on down there. And Hibonite kind of snuck in into the banquet. And it was filled with basically people with two big mouths with two small teeth and two big eyes and you know uh, very similar to what we what we saw back in all the way back in like episode four with the courtroom um 
uh, and they said a lot of very interesting things. Uh, we weren't sh quite sure what was going on, but Hibonite completed his mission. He got the venison for Vadhava, and in the process of doing so, now believes he is Theos himself, so that's nice. Um, we They returned with venison, and uh, we decided that since the thing had been killed in the hallway, that we would, you know, we healed her up, and that we would all attempt to leave and get to Durnholm. And we successfully did that uh, through no help from Margraine. He tried to convince, you know, his, I don't know, other church members to not kill us. And it did not go go his way. But we successfully got out the door. And then Hibonite convinced the giant that, no, we're not trying to get back in the castle. We are leaving now. And he did not kill us. So, yeah, and we, we ended it with us getting to Durnholm safe and sound. And Margraine figured something out, too. Oh, and Margraine figured out that uh, Vodhava is probably cursed. Um, yeah, and we need, to, we need to go see a more powerful priest because Margraine can't help her. Um, we were still recovering from kind of everything going on at the mountains. We had made it out of the mountains at that point and into, into Durnholm. Um, and, you know, there not too much happened in there it was mostly mostly a lot of character building and stuff like that um you know margraine struggling with his kind of his faith and you know everybody else trying to bolster him up which is which is really cool you know his mom we got to see margraine's mom again tordred always love that yeah um and we kind of all of us together we were trying to figure out what to do with with um vodhava and the baby where 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 to go and and Hibonite had said that you know maybe maybe with his people might be the safest place so we we decided that we would head out there um and because it was kind of on the way and we had a lot of stuff that we had we had to go back there we thought we would stop by um by Kringle Falls on the way back um and we kind of not a ton happened on the on the travel except for you know people talking getting caught up and we got to Kringle Falls and it looks like the the town is under siege uh, there are uh, redskinned soldiers everywhere um, the the town looks like it had been built up for battlements put on top uh, um, like wooden battlements built on top of the walls and stuff and a big black dragon so yeah everything's great um it's gonna be fantastic everything's gonna be fine all right so marat hall gave an ultimatum or who was flying on the dragon gave an ultimatum to kringle falls saying that they had to submit to i guess become redmen or just join the side abandon theos um or die he said convert gave, so whatever that convert, means yeah so probably become redmen um and he gave him a day to do that and then hibonite figured out that uh, a cathedral like St. Allegis would have kind of a secret, uh, not hideaway, but um, escape route. And so we found the exit to it, presumably, um, and started digging that out. We had quite a bit of conflict about what we're actually going to be doing, because um, I think everybody just but Margraine wanted to, to help them, and we're just like, we gotta go. Then... Uh, See, so we dug the tunnel out. We decided that Hibonite and Zalara would go in invisible and try to get, make sure the road is clear for them, for the townsfolk to escape. Uh, then we got a, uh, Margraine, Magnar, Vadhava, and Baby got attacked by Turin Blackhorn and his two Minotaur compatriots, which were killed. 
uh, except for Turin is got a hold personed by Margraine inside the tunnel. And then yep. um, Hibonite and Zolara saw some crazy magical stuff that I didn't actually understand that is holding the door shut or something like that. Or holding, I don't know, something to do with an anvil and green magic and some weird monster thing. So we started in the church with uh, Hibonite and Zalara. They came to a door and found a dude standing there looking at a big anvil that was apparently holding back some kind of green energy. And so Hibonite immediately turned he and Zalara invisible. And then out in the woods where Magnar, Margraine, Badhava, and the baby were, uh, some minotaurs came and the old uh, Torin, who was coming after Zalara still, uh, had recruited some new people. And so they were attacking to try to get to Zalara, but they were dealt with quite handily, minus Turin himself. And back in the cathedral area, we had uh, Zalara sneak outside into the uh, street where there were some paladins guarding the entrance, trying to make sure that the demons didn't get out of the church to come and attack the rest of the town. And she met Elaine, and he very football coachy gave her a pep talk. To try to make sure that she was on the right side. <laughs> Go Kringle Falls. And was... <laughs> <laughs> And once she dropped Margraine's name and convinced him that she was not a demon, they uh, got a plan together to go back inside and hopefully take out the eye demon thing that was looking at the um, anvil in the middle of the way. Meanwhile, Hibonite was pl- uh, no, Margraine was out talking to Magnar, convinced him to A, let Turin, whom Margraine had bound in manacles, to let him go as long as he didn't come after us for a week, and B, let uh, Margraine go back in and go see uh, what was going on with Hibonite and Zalara because they'd been in there too long. And Magnar let that happen. And uh, we ended with a plan between Margraine and Hibonite to go in and attack at the same time as Zalara and Elaine and the rest of them were going to come in and attack. And Magnar, talking to Vadhava, named their baby. And Vadhava made clear that if it came to staying or saving her and the baby, she'd run. And what'd they name the baby, Ben? Ilva, which means she-wolf. Yes. Very touching. So, last time we set up, we started off by having ourselves a plan on how to sort of deal with this extra-dimensional eye monster thing. Uh, Plan started with me trying to uh, get up close and thunder wave, but immediately I, um, Failed a wisdom check and got cursed and forced to try and push over the anvil. Luckily, I was invisible and no one saw me do that. Um, two paladins failed as well and they tried to. Uh, it turns out when you ignore the order of this curse, you take a lot of damage. I got hit hard and the two paladins got killed instantly. Magnar managed to skewer the weird eye creature. And we managed to do a skill check and get everyone out, luckily. Um, 
I had the curse removed, one of the curses removed from me, then discovered I had another curse. And we kind of came to the plan to travel with these people for a little while. I believe that's where we ended it, wasn't it, guys? Well, the other big thing was because you guys didn't um, succeed with less than two failures. That means that the army outside that had uh, Kringle Falls under siege knew that you left. And when we ended it, two of the wyverns were flying over the woods trying to find which direction this group of people left. Or is going. Last time, we kind of resolved the whole Kringle Falls thing. Uh, we got everybody out, but not without alerting the surrounding army. And so so we got everybody out, and the, the surrounding army kind of was alerted and was trying to follow us and that sort of thing. Uh, we successfully lost their trail, and uh, Margraine decided that he wanted to, you know, kind of talk to the higher-ups of his order. And they informed him that you know the best thing for him to do would have been not to have shown up and if they ever have seen him then they would have had to report it but it was lucky that he never showed up so that was pretty cool um so they they all stealthily kind of made their way away and uh never showed up to uh kringle falls and let's see on our way the the scouts for the the army had found us in the form of wavern and shirley the two uh, kind of sorcerer-riding wyverns. I don't know how else to put it. Uh, that went surprisingly well. Uh, we survived completely, so that was cool. And we kind of ended up the, the night with uh, kind of resting up and talking a bit and deciding where we were going to proceed with, with our kind of journey. I think we decided on we're going to be traveling to Kalimdor as our next, next stop. Margraine dreamt of uh, St. Allegis in his younger years and his wife, Lenore. Um, and then Margraine, uh, I guess, made a, a warlock pack with Lenore in that dream and uh, and started to grow stubble. So that's pretty cool. The We went on traveling through the woods to get to Kalindor um, and then stopped off at this small town called Ash Hollow, which was eerily quiet. Well, the forest was eerily quiet as well. Zolara saw some, a couple undead, and then there was a cry from a woman helping, asking for help for her and her baby. She turned into a banshee, uh, took Magnar out and one whale, um, or yeah, it was the whale that, that did it. Um, <laughs> and then the rest of the team fought and took her out. Then a 10-foot-tall red man came out of the church, I believe, and told us to come there. So we started in a fight in our usual manner. I set all over a fireball. It went south, followed by south, and we ran away. Uh, we made camp. We talked a little bit. Hib and I opened up to the group. Um, Hib and I was inappropriate, as usual. And it turns out, well, Margraine has, we believe, slept with this hammer. And now, has a, now, <laughs> now has a super ego and wants to reforge everything by smashing it to pieces. Uh, Vahava gave Magna a letter to get him into Kalimdor in case we get re- uh, separated because we decided to go back in and fight the things that just slapped us around. We're smart. Uh, we made a plan uh, for uh, Zalara to sneak in, uh, get in a good position, then we send a small um, tin can shaped object at them as fast as he can with my special sauce, also known as Haste. And um, it, it didn't go well because Zalara fell over and hurt herself and it's now visible before everyone else is in place. So we started off, I was down, 
because I had tripped and fallen going into town and uh, one of the big guys came and smashed me real good. But I had hit points until he smashed me again. And then the battle ensued and between Margraine and Magnar, they basically took out everything. Hibonite helped a little bit. And so did Vodhava. She threw a nice fireball in there at the end. Two kills. Hibonite did kill two of them. Two kills oh, you... out of the three. Hibonite oh. did well. He got I... the, the killing blow well, on two of them. Okay, so Zalara was dead most of the time. So that's why I don't <laughs> remember. Uh, <laughs> she was down for a good most of the fight. Uh, and then we got on the road and we started talking about what to do, where to go. And there was a big debate about Kalendor versus going to Hibonite's home. And uh, Hibonite had nearly convinced Vadhava when Margraine continued talking about how great it would be to be behind some walls. And uh, then this creepy guy came out of the woods. And um, yeah. Oh, and in the books that we've been collecting after we found a couple more, or just one more, um, from the, the guy, uh, two of the chapters were burned out. So we don't quite know what that is, but it's something about their the, the battles that had happened. So, And we ended up with like a half red, half regular creepy dude coming out asking us to kill him. So last episode we started uh, with a half man, half demon guy. We asked him other questions, got some information. He wanted us to kill him. Um, before we had a chance to, Margraine ra- uh, rugby tackled him to the floor, tied and gagged him, and we took him with us to the next city. Um, Hibonite did his usual thing of annoying the first person he runs into in any city and pissed off the guards. We handed over the now, t- now tied up demon man to the guard to be taken to study at the academy in the city. We then met with... Um, Vadhava's family who just got along with us smashing they are not stuck up <laughs> pricks at all um, <laughs> although as soon as as soon as she learned um, Vadhava's family uh, mother specifically learned that Margraine is the son of a silverbeard that's running to her home she started kissing his ass, and we kind of bent that to our favour as usual we also not met really. the queen and she gave us a proposition of kind of joining there, um, helping her find out what's happening and saving the kingdom, and gave us some time to think about it. Last episode, we left the uh, the queen's kind of uh, audience room, and we ran into a woman we've seen before. Um, all of us have seen her before, apparently. Um, and then, you know, uh, Zalara and Hibonite are just keeping secrets, I guess. Um, <laughs> Let's see. We then decided we needed to have a chat about what we were going to do with this new information that we got. So we went to a bar and we ate some turtle soup and it was delicious and we had some nice hearty brown bread. No, it wasn't delicious. It was totally radical, man. Okay. Um, And then, you know, we had thought we had a plan and we were like, okay, yeah, we're going to go and we're going to do this. We need to get more information from the college um, so that we can make a better decision about this. And as we were leaving, Margraine ran into his sister, his little baby sister, uh, which is it's great, um, who's not taller than him anymore. Um, uh, yeah, so she uh, she was like, oh, you know, it's great to see you and everything. And then we, she was like, oh, you got to go meet everybody else, of course. So we all decided we'd go meet everybody else. And, and their employer, you know, uh, when we went to go meet uh, Margraine's other younger brother, went, okay, it's time for him to leave now. I need to talk to 
talk to you guys. And then he just kind of ruined the whole world. Um, he told us that, you know, there's multiple different planes and gave us a ton of different information and told us that, oh, you know, he's actually Kavalian, but he's also not Kavalian. And that's why Margraine's mom seemed like she was crazy and that like she was like, no, they went off with Kavalian because he is, but he also isn't, I guess. And uh, <laughs> basically told us how, you know, the entire world works, but didn't tell us anything at all just to get his key, that he would prefer if we did that first. Um, and we left off by leaving and still not knowing what to do, um, even though we thought we did know at least a little bit of what to do. So we accomplished nothing last episode. That's basically <laughs> what I've got to say. It was a major lore dump, if nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for the characters, we kind of went backwards in our actual knowledge of what we're doing. Uh -huh. Yes. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Margraine knows less about the world now than he did previously because he knows so much more that he knows he knows way less than he ever thought he did. So, yes. But, but Theos is a god and homegrown <laughs> at that. So, I feel better about that. Well, yep. I mean, we're in his presence anyway, right? <laughs> Theos is always with you. <laughs> okay, so Ilda was, uh, I guess she went to the Grove of the Red Leaf which is where Zalara is from, possibly. Is that that's my of. understanding? She, yes. Sort of. She's from near there. Okay. Yeah. And then Zalara had a flashback of seeing the heart tree of the goddess, where one day she climbed up to that heart and looked at it, and she was at peace, and it was the happiest time of her life. Um, and then a hooded man jumped out and killed Ilda. And then we fought a couple assassins for breaking Mar Madame Granite's. Uh, deal uh, for for marketing. <laughs> so uh, we fought them. Um, um, so a couple bowmen, a the one who killed Ilda, and then the wizard. The wizard got away, and the two bowmen. Six. There were six bowmen, weren't there? Yeah. What? Yeah. Oh my god! How did I not count that right? Okay. There were a bunch of bowmen, <laughs> a wizard, and the one who killed Ilda, and uh, the one who killed Ilda died. Right? I got that one right. Yes. Yes. By the wizard of that party. Yeah. Um, then after they ran away, we rushed Ilda to the Peregrine Church. Yep. And they wanted a donation of 650 gold to revive her, which somehow we actually had. And then, um, oh, because Ilda had some money on her. <laughs> uh, and then Magnar realized that if they're going after Margraine for breaking the, the pact, that they might be going after Vodhava and Ilva as well. So Magnar and Zalara ran back. Um, everything was okay. And then Magnar had a discussion with Vodhava and uh, agreed to stay with them and not go on the adventure. Um, Ilde, Ilda, um, Margraine's little sister, came back to life. Woo! Um, after being stabbed terribly in the alleyway. And she talked of being basically one with nature through Shamhara, the, the goddess of, of the green grove. I, or no, red leaf grove. There we go. And so that was kind of nice and Margraine had a nice little time with her and uh, then Solara went and talked to Magnar and found out that Magnar decided to stay with his wife and kind of had a breakdown and ran over to Margraine and Hibonite and the rest of Margraine's family staying at the um, Abernathy warehouse I guess whatever you want to call that um, and they ended up kind of talking her down from like going and 
trying to get Magnar not to stay with his family. And so then they had a party and ordered in food, basically, I guess, and chilled with uh, all of the Silverbeards. And then the next day, um, Hibonite decided he would go to the college and didn't want to leave Margraine alone because Margraine alone with his thoughts can sometimes be a very bad thing. So Zalara stayed with Margraine and went for a walk. And we uh, decided that that owlbear situation uh, was was not good. And so we needed to go save some owlbears. And so um, Margraine and Zalara went down to the uh, box to go figure out where these owlbears were being kept. And then while uh, Hibonite was at the uh, college looking for some information, he ran into this, I'm assuming bard, since he was in the bard section, um, and, and had a nice conversation about how strange the, um, I don't even know all of the things they talked about, but just the, the numbering system, especially with all the bard books was terrible and nobody can find anything ever. Um, and I, did we even hear his name yet? Nope. Nope. So it's just I mean, some random dude yeah. at this point. And, and so they had their nice little conversation and Margraine and Zalara decided that the best way to get to the Albears, because it was all a nice enclosed tunnel, would be to get into the ring with them. And Margraine nearly slew one uh, in one shot. And Zalara discovered the door was locked, barred, and not like lock pickable. And so she ended up killing the first Albear herself with her shortbow. So last episode, uh, we started with uh, Margraine and Zalara. We were down in the bog area fighting some owlbears because, you know, Margraine's patron whatever that Zalara doesn't know about was needing to have something killed, I guess. Uh, so that happened and we ended up slaying a couple owlbears instead of freeing them and then got set upon by a dozen-ish people from the place that didn't want us breaking in to free the rest of the owlbears. So then we ran away after Margraine was able to calm them down, uh, magically speaking. And then uh, we got went back to the college, found Hibonite who had been studying and got a little bit of the rumor mill situation with the queen and with... Um, the guy that was in the library and so oh and the uh we learned more about the kenneth pine um so he that the that they're researching and trying to figure out what what they can do as far as like bringing him to you know be potentially a cure maybe who knows and then uh we went to magnar's uh i guess it's going to be his house now oh man anyway magnar's uh place to go chat with him and then we all went to the castle to talk to the queen and tell her our plans and before we got to the queen we were stopped by adeline renard in the hallway where she uh requested a uh session i guess with uh zolara and then confused the crap out of margraine some more because he has no idea why and then we went and met with the queen and all agreed to go and then Garen that that guy that was in the library before was with the queen and apparently gets to come with us because um he knew uh Vadhava and Vadhava recommended him to come help us since Magnar was staying and then after we met with the queen and got all of our goodies for the road uh the uh three initial boys got to go talk to uh <laughs> 
uh, Brommel about uh, why he was so upset with them and found out that uh, they'd basically killed his his lover, his wife, his We whatever. didn't kill her. Well, <laughs> she was killed in your vicinity and that's why he doesn't like you. Um, and then Solara got a massive bomb dropped because her best best friend from her childhood, who she saw killed in front of her during um, a, a raid on a castle um, that nobody else knows about, uh, found out that she's alive. And not only is she alive, she was the reason that the raid went south. And uh, the reason that Zalara can't go home is because of that whole situation. And she is apparently the Sapphire Rose, whatever that means. <clears throat> so last episode, let's see, Zalara talked to an old friend of hers um, and kind of resolved a little bit of that. Um, maybe a little bit of bridges were mended. Um, maybe not, you know, a little bit of kind of a bittersweet moment. Um, she was asked by her friend if she could bring basically a, a personal heirloom back to her mom and tell her mom that she's alive finally and that, you know, you know, not to worry about her. And also that in return, she would give Zalara a favor with the Sapphire Rose, kind of, maybe? Um, yeah, and, and just kind of all, you know, personal stuff and, and, and that sort of thing. And I don't know how Zalara feels about it, but it seemed a little bit bittersweet. Um, afterwards, we did some introductions between the crew and uh and garen you know and uh everybody kind of got kind of got situated we're kind of trying to get into you know having a new member in the group and, and that sort of stuff not quite knowing how how to deal with them and that sort of stuff you know everybody's a little bit shy and garen had a meeting that we don't know about yeah garen had a meeting with the uh, with dohava um that you the viewer are aware of but none of us are about how garen is to kind of i don't know he's he's to he's to do things out in the west um it sounded real shady um if i'm being honest um but it was it was told to kind of be diplomatic with zolara's people kind of see what ties can be there um and yeah afterwards we left and we went to uh the the church to buy some healing potions on which uh margraine was approached by the priest to speak to the uh the bishop so that was real cool uh they they had they had a very delightful chat in which uh, Margaret was not at all um, threatened by the bishop. Uh, just, you know, <laughs> a, a stern counseling on, on how it's it's not good to maybe kill major members of clergy, or, or attempt to at least, and um, and that, you know, basically everything can be be better if he if he does a thing for the church, which is to which is to basically do everything in his power to make sure that the red hands are dealt with, um, using his maybe political sway he might have with the queen in order to uh make sure that she accepts the engagement offer of the emperor and uh to make sure that the church gains a full grasp on not only basically the entire country so only only a small thing um yeah um and that for that everything would be be forgiven and he was then given a wealth's worth of healing potions and sent on his way um unknowing to him that all of his friends were kind of listening to him and spying on him the whole time even though he said he would be 
okay. And he trusts them. Um, and we left off with them leaving and encountering a member of the Red Hand preaching in the city. So, yeah. Of Alal, more specifically. Yeah, yeah. preaching about the word of Alal. All right. So, um, Margraine ran forward and tried to convince the uh, crowd that Alal is not who the priest cleric guy was saying that he is, that he's a bad guy. Um, and it seemed to work really well. Uh, we had a nice little party, a uh, goodbye party. And uh, then we, the group, the new group headed out west. Zlara confides in Margraine that um, all the stuff that's happening with Tamika and Margraine only so far. Um, and then in the, the, I think the fourth night or maybe the third night, um, Lenore comes to Margraine in a dream and tells him that he has to reforge someone by the next evening or uh, she's not going to be giving him her power anymore. And then as luck would have it, we see uh, Wyvern attacking a group of uh, Duke Normir's soldiers. Um, so we charge in and we take it down. Well, <laughs> Margraine does not get the killing blow on either the Rider or the Wyvern, so um, Lenore's pretty pissed. We had just finished up fighting the the dragon, the wyvern, and we kind of talked to the people that we saved, uh, just enough to be informed that, hey, you know, the demons had taken a bunch of people and brought them to a barrow that was close by, and that, yeah, um, they're very, very thankful, but Margraine was a little bit antsy and kind of really, really wanted to go uh, save the people, of course. No other reasons why he would want to uh, charge <laughs> and get all these people and maybe uh maybe kill a thing or two no, no other reasons and nope. yeah we uh we went in and we wrecked face and then we encountered some rather grotesque giant gnarly monsters that basically any one of us that they encountered would take us down in one hit um <laughs> dropped zalara almost dropped margraine um barely made it out and we finished up the episode with us kind of having regrouped margraine had just broken out of a grapple of one of them and backed back a little bit and healed himself. And Zalara had just been given a potion by Garen. Um, so we were all outside the barrow, um, kind of recuperating a little bit when the really fat, nasty creatures came back uh, or were coming after us. And between Margraine and Garen, they talked us into actually attacking them again. So uh, after healing up a bit, we ran back into the fray and then managed to defeat the two nasty, fat creatures even though Solara uh, was pretty much incapacitated most of that time. <laughs> the story of her life. Anyway, um, and then we uh, got in there and found a room. Um, well, Margraine was able to put the uh, kind of crucified guy out of his misery. But before that happened, we heard a little bit about there being five locks on um, Anatana, I, well, I don't think he actually said, he said the mother, um, and that they needed to be unlocked so that she could be released because she's currently locked between the planes. Um, and then uh, Margraine took a hammer to his head and put him out of his misery. And then as we were leaving, Margraine's eyes started glowing and he could suddenly like super see in the dark. Uh, so that was fun. And then we got to the next room and there was a creepy little girl cleric, no, scribe thing that uh, had some soldiers around her. And so, of course, we had to jump in the fray there and she... Um, 
I don't know where that Warhammer came from, but she smacked Solara real good. And then we took out... I think we only took one soldier out, didn't we? Yeah. Um, but then Garen came in with an amazing charm spell and managed to get them hypnotized. Uh, and then the little girl ran away. And while she was out, Zolara uh, got a visit from Shamhara. And then we all took our levels. And Zolara went through it and Margraine got, I don't know, glowy eyes, seeing <laughs> the goodness. It's the best ability ever. And- <laughs> And I don't, I don't remember all the details, but everybody leveled up. Woo! So we finished our fight with the red, uh, the red soldiers by the altar. We met a guy at the altar who we at one point decided to let go and decide we shouldn't let him go, so we brought him back. Zalara got entombed in vines and became a druid. As you do. Uh, yeah, <laughs> just standard stuff. Uh, we let our prisoner, uh, the, the guy we rescued, go. Then we cha- uh, Garen changed his mind, said we shouldn't. So Zolara wrapped the horse up in vines. He's now currently sleeping it off whilst being manacled to our carriage <laughs> or cart. We've got three guys in a cage, and we're having me and my uh, Hibernite and Margraine had an argument over why Margraine's been going all Dulali recently. <laughs> and it came to a heated argument where it ended with Hibernite not really believing, but believing the uh, the wordplay that was going on. All right, so um, Margraine and Garen both, in their own unique ways, terrify the poor soldier from Wrighton. Um, and then we decide to leave them all, the, the three red men and Kel, tied to the, or imprisoned. And then we go down at the barrow to chase the demon girl. Um, we see what looks like an ambush. And then Hibonite throws a fireball down that way, killing six creatures. Don't know what they were. Um, one creature looks singed, and it turns out he's an Earth Genasi, right? Was he mm-hmm. himself an Earth Genasi? Yep. They all okay. Were. Um, and Hibonite realizes his mistake and submits to their judgment. So we're taken to their city, their earthen city, and we're told also that we'll get information on the little demon girl. We come to the council where Hibonite explains or um, says that his father made contact with the earth folk, but they say that they haven't had contact in over hundreds of years, I think. A long time, longer than Hibonite's father since the Great War, whatever that is. Um, and then Hibonite tries to... Oh, so Hibonite has to duel with this the dude that he just singed to the death. And he tries to get the council to say it won't be to the death. So last week, we got the party out of the Earth Genasi's uh, uh, city. And as they left, they decided to come back. They <laughs> messed up once or twice on the stealth checks. There's a, there's a little bit of clanging. Uh, Hibonite had a drink with the gentleman whose people he killed, and they seemed to make friends. It was nice. Uh, forgive over a drink, it's nice. And then they, um, the party reached Hibonite, and we all ran away. We we ran from from Hibonite's cousins and continued to run. Um, it was looking like they might catch up on us when Garen cast like a web on the on, on the tunnel, which is really cool to to stop people following us. Um, Spider-Man, Spider-Man. We pushed a stone table somewhat in front of a tunnel, not knowing how much that's actually going to do, but it, 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 it we did it. Um, Yay! <laughs> 
we then had a conversation as to what we were going to do with Kel. Um, Margraine was given three days to convince him to be on our side before, um, and if we couldn't, I guess we'd kill him? I don't know. We never, we ne- I- I'm assuming that's it was where implied. that would go. It was implied. Yeah, yeah. that was implied. Um, <laughs> the rest of the group, other than Margraine, had a chat with the demons and figured out some very interesting things, like that they always know where the scribe that made them is. Just always. Um, which can be very useful. Um, Margraine had a heart-to-heart with Kel, um, a magical heart to heart in which he made the terrified <laughs> man no longer afraid of him because uh, that wasn't his intent. And then he made it so that neither of them could lie to each other to try and do a little bit of a trust building exercise, you know, <laughs> build, build up from there. Um, Margraine convinced that Kel was just a regular dude and not a bad guy when he wanted to leave, let him. To which Hibonite proceeded to misty step and grab him. Uh, Margraine ripped Hibonite off of him. Kel then proceeded to run. Garen then tried to open up the earth to swallow the man and um, failed to do so fantastically. Kel continued to run. Margraine charged him. They then had a heart to heart explaining what was happening. Garen was okay <laughs> with it because he said that just, you know, nature is going to kill him anyway, so it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And we decided that we needed to kill two of the demons and that one needed to be left alive so that we could force him to bring us to uh, his scribe. Um, we had the little demon guy out in the, the carriage and we decided that we were, after much conversation, going to go back into the cavern and use the demon guy kind of as our like um, divining rod almost. Like, are we going the right way? Is he getting nervous? Is he getting excited? You know, kind of thing. Because we don't really trust him to, to tell us, but hopefully he would be able to help a little bit. And then we got down there and the plan was for Zolara to sneak down to find if there was any going to be any trouble and then to go back and tell them what was ahead in her invisible state. And did that for the first uh, juncture and found a couple of guards and she came back and told them and then they proceeded to fail at sneaking through and ended up having to kill both of them. And then we were discussing whether we were going to continue on or leave the tunnels. All right, so last episode, we continued down the hallway or the, uh, the cavern in pursuit of Aruna, the demon girl child. Um, we came across... A rather peculiar sight of these uh, shortish creatures um, waiting for a Tunari to pass through, and then they uh, threw um, like kind of grappling hook type things on them on the, the Tunari and started writing it down a passageway, or well, like the passageway that Tunari was creating as it was moving. Um, we said that's neat, and then continued on and found a mother Tunari giving birth to a bunch of grubs. Uh, we, of course... Well, actually, we didn't initiate combat. Two grubs saw um, Zalara and the Hibonite, came charging, and then we started fighting them. Um, killed a lot of the babies, the grubs. The mother got really mad, killed one of her own, got madder, and then uh, the, the grubs took... Whatever my name is? Took Garen out a couple times. <laughs> I might as well forget. I'm going to die. <laughs> um, took Garen out uh, like in two times in a row. And Mama Mark put Green. her head 
Margraine? Margraine went down too. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. Margraine did go down. Um, uh, Mama Tunari put its head through the cavern and screamed at us, and that's where we left it. So last episode, we finished up our fight against the mother of all worms, who was very angry at us. We then talked for a considerable amount of time on whether or not we should just leave or continue on. We then decided to continue on and go after Aruna, and uh, Margraine proceeded to hack through a worm for many, many hours and get a level of exhaustion, and then we continued on throughout the room, and we did indeed find the red demon we were following and Aruna, and she proceeded to kill him, open up a portal, and then she was disappearing just as we cut. So, beginning of the last episode, we saw Aruna getting dragged off into a really bad-looking portal. I decided to throw a fireball, firebolt, not fireball, at her. It hit, so Margraine did the common sense thing of teleporting up and jumping into a d- deep dark portal with her. We all, with the infinitely smart decision, decided to join him as well. <laughs> um, she died rather quickly with us all focus firing her. We saw a weird multiverse sort of scenario of lots of other versions of us and the different party compositions making equally bad choices. So it's not just us. <laughs> Um, We also saw a weird skull thing hanging from every bridge. Uh, A statue came to life and hit us with a darkness spell. We almost ran off the bridge. Um, We broke into a fight on that and the skull thing started stabbing us in the back. And we ended the session with, I believe it was just Solara going down, but Garen was hit pretty badly. I'm not sure what state Margarine's in. Uh, So we started off in the middle of a battle on the bridge. Um, and I believe I was down when we started. So we ended up defeating the wizard guy and the giant, I don't even know what, big old monster thing dinger that was trying to kill us. Um, and we had a little bit of a rest while we were on the bridge. Saw all the other battles going on on the various bridges around us. Uh, tried, uh, Garen tried to grab one of the other Arunas that were flying by and failed to do so. Um, and then we went through the portal after a little rest on the bridge. And we got to the land of forever birthdays! Yay! (laughs) Which I love. Um, but the gal there basically wants your firstborn child, it sounds like, uh, to have access to all of the other realms that she has access to. Or, in our case, we can go and grab the heart stone of hers from a blue dragon in the shadow realm. And apparently that's what we will eventually be doing. But for now, we're in the land of forever birthdays with the cakes and all the goodness. All right. So, um, we met with... Uh, Bimitha, this crazy ogress lady, possibly. Um, we rested up, and uh, Garen got soul sucked in his dream by her. Found out she's actually three people in one. Um, we woke up, uh, everybody else had a good night's sleep, and then we decided to uh, pull a heist on this dragon in the Shadow Realm, and surprisingly, it worked. Hibonite was able to get this amulet off of uh, the dragon and none of us got hurt. <clears throat> However, when we got transported back to this out-of-time place, um, at least Hibonite decided it was best not to give her back this heartstone and fireballed the entire party, including her, um, in an attempt to destroy the, the heartstone. 
We started to fight. Uh, Zalara went up and punched the Heartstone, which promptly exploded, knocking Hibonite out and instantly killing Zalara. We had our fight with uh, in Forever Holiday, uh, Forever Birthday Land, which went interestingly. Um, at the end of that fight, Hibonite was not looking great. Zalara was down. Her soul was in a necklace, and we were looking at finding a way to save Zalara. Uh, on a, we found a bridge that went to anywhere we wanted. There was a heated debate over where we go. Um, we ended up going to see the fire kindled. When we arrived, we found a shaman. She, he healed uh, Zalara, and we ended the episode with Markrain threatening to kill Hibonite. In public, in front of all of his own people. In, <laughs> in the middle of the open, in front of his dads, everyone. We, we started off in a very tense situation. Um, it was right after Margraine had threatened to kill Ebonite. Um, In a last-ditch effort, Margraine, trying to calm himself down, decides to cast Calm Emotions, to which Hibonite counterspelled. And, um, yeah, so Garen came in, clinch... <laughs> and charmed a lot of people in a very large area, which is good because I think there would have been some throwing of hands. And then we proceeded to Hibonite turn himself invisible and go have a chat with his sister and find out that this is a really, really bad place to be. That like, this is just the worst. Not um, that bad. <laughs> <laughs> and we all uh, went to the, the, the long hall and uh, drinking ensued. Uh, Hibonite's father continues to be just a pleasure. <laughs> and um, we then, you know, uh, everybody got caught up, you know, a little bit. I think Zalara agrees that we're just in the worst situation ever. So <laughs> she decided to go on a walk with Margraine in which we, we ran into basically Cthulhu-esque water Fish. horrors and uh we cut there to hibonite finding out his sister is also maybe one of these things and i think that's what happens last time just you, it was you really missed the part where garen uh buddied up with the obsidian and dazzled all the uh, people oh, in the, the castle with his amazing performances he did uh, it was it was impressive it was yeah yeah was. thank you so also the part where margraine attacked the cultist oh yes margraine ran up and attacked well, the cultist um we ended so. with the swing of a hammer yep so we started with uh zalara and margraine had been on the beach trying to get a little well Solara was getting information from Margraine, but um, there were some people that were at, at the end of the beach and they were burning a man alive. So we went to check that out and he swung his hammer at one of them. So we began with combat and um, they they did a little bit of fighting and then we circled back around to Hibonite and uh, oh, because we saw the people were like fish creatures or something. Um, and then we circled back to Hibonite and uh, Garen and found out that Hibonite's little sister was also turning into a fish person. And so Hibonite uh, took his little sister and ran to the healer of the town and got her restored so she was no longer a fish person. And then after sending his sisters off, he and Garen, oh, and telling the healer man to shut the fuck up, um, he and Garen then came out to the beach and helped with the last of the fight. And then they took the man on the spit back to Auric again for some healing. And then Margraine and Hibonite had a conversation um, about how things are going in a very tense sort of way. 
Alright, so Hibonite and Margraine finished up their heart-to-heart, -heart, both sort of admitting they're wrong, but also still trying to justify that they're right. Um, and then uh, Garen and Margraine also had a heart-to-heart, -heart, sort of, in a weird way, um, between people who don't know each other very well. And uh, Margraine seemed to be understanding that he was not the dwarf he wanted to be, and then goes off and calls up Lenore and then denounces her and then he gets knocked unconscious. He wakes up to the sound of a parade in the middle of the street which also wakes up Garen, Hibonite, and Zalara. They go out to see Hibonite's mother come home uh, with chanting some cultish stuff about uh, how the primordial fire isn't the god and that they, they're going to release Kazdrak or Kazdrax. Um, Hemonite tries to have it out with her about that it's probably not the real Kazdrax and she says, no, you. And that's pretty much where we left it. It was mostly talking. Uh, we talked to Hibonite's father. Well, first we uncharmed him with like a, a restoration spell from uh, Oric, Oric Hooverman. Um, he, <laughs> uh, we 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 uncharmed Obsidian with the help of Oric in order to talk to him. Um, we talked to him about his current situation with his wife and Hibonite's mother, and that things are kind of weird. Uh, we discussed what we were going to go about doing. Um, we decided we were going to maybe take Hibonite's mother up on her offer to go show us to the place that she's been talking to uh, Kazdrax. And in the meantime, uh, Obsidian, since he is now in control of his own mental faculty, uh, with the help of Ruby, that they would kind of take care of things at home. And that was mostly it. It was mostly discussion on what exactly people think was up with Hibonite's mom, because she started, she started acting very strangely, rather. So we started off, uh, we were in the big house trying to figure out what to do with ourselves um, since we had convinced Obsidian the previous time that we need to do something about his wife. Um, and so this time we decided that Margraine was going to go do some forged paladin cleric stuff, whatever he needed to do. And then, so he uh, rented some time from the town's forge to go do that stuff. And Hibonite was going to walk him over and Garen wanted to go talk to um, the healer, uh, Auric, and ended up, uh, Auric can't do anything today because he's fresh out of healing and restoration and all that good stuff. So we ended up uh, joining Hibonite and Margraine in their jaunt across to the uh, forge area and then ended up splitting again as Hibonite went back to the big house to go check out and see what this why his mom wants him so badly for tonight and just check on his sister and do all those kind of things. And then Garen and Zalara went to check out the local tavern to try to gather some information. Failed miserably uh, but did see the large dragon jawbone go by so that was fun. Uh, and then Hibonite got to talking to people in the big house and learned that they're going to come build a thing, I guess, um, as we're assuming that the dragon jawbone goes to whatever that's going to be. And then we popped over and Margraine was having a bit of a lover's tryst with his previous patron and ended up passing out and getting a massive amount of damage and kind of exploding the front of the forge. So that's fun. So last episode, we all rushed over to Margraine, who was passed out. 
woke him up. He was a bit confused. We um, got healed up and took him down to Auric, who we sent off to the other side of the island. Uh, we saw more bones going into the big house. Margraine and Zalara went into the forge and spent their time there, their alone time. <laughs> Garen and Hibonite went into the docks and stole a little bit of dragon bone, came up with a loose plan of what to do when people try and leave. What's going on? <laughs> it's really distracting. <laughs> Just a, you're saying bone a lot and it's driving him crazy. <laughs> I get bones, man. Oh, we came up so with good. a plan <laughs> to try and stop the bones being put together. And everyone looking into the bones. <laughs> <laughs> and then we ended the episode with the horn being blown for everyone to go see the bones. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so uh, we tempted to go down to the docks to enact our brilliant plan. We were stopped by these red guards who attempted to uh, not necessarily attack, but uh, restrain Hibonite. So we got into a fight, took them out. Hibonite went running down to the docks and found that the dock workers were not dock workers, but fish people, cultists. And so we took them out and Hibonite burned I think four of the boats. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then we got some sweet flaming longswords and then took off the helmets of the, the red men and they are fire genasi who are turning into fish people. And that's where we left it. So and uh, start of the last episode, we finished burning down the boats. We did the most planning we've ever done and set out to stop Hibonite's mother. Uh, upon entering the party, Hibonite got bamboozled. The, uh, the skull got revealed. It was actually Hibonite's sister but he couldn't see that at the time. And then Garen got bamboozled at the same time. Uh, Zalara tried to steal Hibonite's mother's necklace and got choke slammed and died, brought back to life, and ends up running away with Margraine holding down the fort. But as she ran away, she turned to see where Margraine was, expecting him to be behind her, and got bamboozled herself. And that is where we left off. All right, so last episode, we continued the, the ritual while Margraine uh, was still not under the spell of the dragon or Amalite or whoever the spell caster is. Um, and all right, then uh, at some point, Hibonite heard the real Kazdrax talk to him, and he was broken free from the spell. He made Margraine and himself disappear. Then the procession or the, the ritual moved to a procession down to the beach to um, to take the skull to the, the volcano. But Hibonite, invisible, ran up and destroyed the rest of the boats with a wall of fire. We then started fighting uh, Zalara and Garen still under the control of fake Kazdrax. And eventually Garen was broken three. Margraine went down. Hibonite went down, um, and Zalara is still under the control of the bad guys. So last time, Hibonite and uh, Garen had run away with Hibonite the frog, <laughs> and Zalara had uh, stabilized Margraine, uh, but was still under the thrall of um, Amalite. And she uh, took Amalite's suggestion, to, or volunteered rather, to go find some boats. So she went off searching for some boats because all of the other ones had been burned by the naughty, naughty Hibonite. 
And while she was out searching for some boats, um, Garen had uh, come to find her and uh, basically hit her until she came to her senses. Um, and then they proceeded to beat the crap out of the three little dinghies that Zalara had found. And then they regrouped for 15 minutes so that Hibonite turned back into a person as opposed to a frog and the polymolar wore off. And then after the three of us were uh, all as good as we could be for the time being, uh, Margraine had been tied up and taken on another boat that they had found somewhere. And so Amalite, Margraine, and one of the guards was on a boat about a quarter mile out when uh, Hibonite prayed to the actual Kazdrax to find something, some way to get them out there to go save Margraine and stop this from happening. So they were directed to a skiff that was hiding in a little hut just on the beach. And so they were able to get right out on the water and get out there. And they got out to the now pillar because there was an earthquake somewhere in there uh, that had erupted in the middle of the ocean. And once they got out to the pillar, uh, their ritual had started and Amalite had... Um, uh, cut. I don't know if she was trying to get his tongue, but she had like stuck a knife in, in Margraine's mouth really disgustingly and uh, tore his cheek open and used the blood to start the ritual, which summoned a nasty looking tentacle kraken ish, I don't know what you call it, creature to climb up the, the pillar. And then we were able to get close enough to start slinging spells, and thankfully, Hypnotic Pattern worked on everything. And so we were able to get close enough, um, untie migraine, get him out of there, and Hibonite bashed in his mom's head. That was fun. And uh, the the other one, and then um, the creature was out of the hypnotic pattern. And so we decided that that needed to stop because the runes were still lighting up. And we took out the creature. Well, we're in the process of taking out the creature. We're probably going to die. Let's be honest. <laughs> uh, last episode, we started just after Margraine had jumped off of the boat and swung at the giant monster. Um, we proceeded to actually pretty handily like continue to batter it and we managed to destroy it before the ritual was completed surprisingly um uh Hibonite got a kind of little twinge in the back of his head saying uh from Kazdrak saying to harvest its blood that he could use that in the ritual to open up a portal to Kazdrax. We then uh went to the volcano and Zalara and Garen had a very nice heart to heart where we learned some very interesting things about Garen. Um Hibonite and Margraine buried well they they did funeral rights for Hibonite's mom and then we can we did the ceremony for to open up the portal to Kazdrak and we found ourselves on what seems to be the ethereal plane um in the ethereal plane we found not only Kazdrax but the still chained up Anatana and um Margraine had a nice little chat with her she was a very nice lady um and then we proceeded to go and try to have a chat with the guards who were guarding Kazdrax and they didn't take too kindly to that and decided to uh remedy the situation by disposing of us and that's kind of where we're at right now we started we were in the i think we decided it was the ethereal realm and 
we were in the middle of battling some shadowy undead something uh, that were holding Kazdrax down. We managed to defeat them all and they'd all dropped their chains and we ended up freeing Kazdrax and Kazdrax then took Hibonite, Um, and they just kind of disappeared, I think. I'm not really sure what the rest of us saw, but to Hibonite, Kazdrax took him aside and basically said he needed to get back to our planets, into our plane, and he didn't have a body to inhabit anymore and gave um, Hibonite the option of, well, what do you want to do? And Hibonite uh, volunteered to be the body of Kazdrax. So Kazdrax inhabited uh, Hibonite's body and changed him into a more dragon-esque form and then walked us out into the um, outside of the island, I guess. Uh, And then there we met the new person who is going to be joining our group because Kazdrax as Kazdrax put it, it needs or Kaz, what do we call him? Hibidrax. Anyway. Hibidrax. Kazdrax. Kazdrax. Um, uh, so we had him come and uh, give us Dulod as our new person to join us. And he's this uh, elfish looking guy with a big cape and like uh, uh, tiger stripey things on his face. But he seems very shy. And uh, other than that, we were debating where to go and ended up being teleported directly into the middle of Sinil Noor, uh, which is Solar's home city. I think I got it all. There's a lot yeah. that happened. And we're currently being surrounded by confused and or angry elves. Yeah, a lot of them. With weapons. Well, yeah. I mean, we're in the middle of the city, so... So... We ended up in Sin El-Nur, the Zolara's hometown where she was banished from, and uh, that went about as well as you could hope for, really. Um, we talked a bit with Dulad, our new companion, who's a uh, sort of an elf, but a hybrid lobster monster thing. And... <laughs> <laughs> um, we were deemed okay to go into the Feywild and redeem Zalara and by this council who doesn't want to do anything regarding Marat Hall. Um, but still, Zalara wants to get in good with them. So we're going to the Feywild. I think that's really it. We had a fight with, uh, we rested in the forest and do that noticed a few lights and people chasing them um zalara had a dream where she saw a tree house and some red-headed children we ended up finding the tree house and they were red caps who hit surprisingly hard for the little things they were and we ended up going inside the tree house which had a slide into the fey wild where we met two spriggan uh, spriggans was it or spirit sprites Sprites, that's the one, um, who said they would take us to the Queen in return for a favour. We managed to get five conditions put on the favour, but if we fail the favour, we get turned into eternal slaves for them. So, um, last time, uh, we had already entered the Feywild, and we were looking to go see the Queen. Um, we, on our way to go see the Queen, we encountered some, some Eladrin on horseback. Ones with overly large eyes and overly large mouths and very reminiscent of maybe back, what, like 70-something episodes ago. Margaret noticed this and caused them to run away, surprisingly. And then they hid and ran away from them. Um, very brave. Um, we encountered a very interesting man called Styx. 
um, a, a satyr with just the m most magnificent gleaming haunches, just <laughs> just prime so haunches, and uh, and he 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 told us the the woeful tale of him and his lady love, who we then proceeded to go on and meet, who didn't seem too thrilled with him to be honest, um, but she also wasn't too thrilled with her husband, so um, we encountered her and she asked for gifts. We lucked out on the gifts. Um, I babbled some word salad, and she accepted that as a gift. Um, Zalara decided to run back and forth really fast and then give her a big stone, and that was somehow satisfactory. Uh, Dulad swindled her into thinking that he had a very fine knife, which was no more than a butter knife. And Garen played her a magnificent song. I think the only thing of worth out of all of our gifts. <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, and we proceeded to to leave without being imprisoned or killed or many numerous things that she could do to us, and deciding that we were going to go directly to the king. So last time we were in the Feywild and we went to Oberon, and he wanted us to cure the issue of his stinky swamp witch. So we hatched a plan to get the uh, satyr stick to go and fall in love with the swamp witch. And we got Oberon's um, magic people, whose name I forgot, that looked like a goat or something. Top. Top. A donkey. Donkey. Specifics. Uh, so I got, we went and got uh, him all uh, magicked up and basically roofied him to fall in love with the stinking witch. And we took him to the uh, the stinking swamp and got them to all be in lovey-dovey-ness with each other. And then uh, went back to Oberon and took a trampoline back to the uh, the woods. And uh, they were all burned. And that's where we ended, in the snowy, burned woods. So last episode, uh, we emerged from the portal and everybody was running. There was ash and there was running. Uh, uh, Cam Bonetooth, our friend from 70, 80 episodes ago at this point, uh, ran up, uh, was here also and ran past us and followed behind them are many, many followers of Marat Hall. Uh, we proceeded to fight with them, including two wyverns and riders with staffs of lightning bolts. And Zalara, um, in a panic, I guess turned into a tree. Um, we still don't know what's going on with that. And got flung into the far past in order to replay through history and hear about many different things about the about the world and how the last war against Marat Hall and Anat Ana and how that happened. And um, Margarine was dropped in one of the fights and was brought back from the brink by Dulad of all people. And that's kind of where we left it. We've taken down one of the wyverns and a bunch of followers of Marat Hall and my friend is still a tree. <laughs> so... So at the start of the last episode, we escaped from the rather scary force that was bearing down on us. We managed to make it back to Solara's home. We were very warmly welcomed into her mother's home. Margraine had an argument with our host, whilst Zalara found out her dad had died a few years back. And then Garen and Dulad made plans to potentially mess up the town a little bit to make it look like the red-handed attacked to try and force the elves to stop being elves. 
All right, so first off, we got introduced to a new crew uh, that are going over to the eastern side to stop the Crucian Empire from destroying the Pleiades Mountains or a, some sort of barrier there um, and expanding their empire. And then we cut back to the main crew and uh, we go to the lore master to get some information. We go to a blacksmith or metalsmith um, who then asks Zalara out on a date after we talk with the council. She said yes. Um, Dulad uh, barely managed to make off with a couple rings from the blacksmith's place. Um, then Garen goes back to this blacksmith, Kyber, and gets him to, well, to even know that there's a real threat outside. Shows him a picture or a minor illusion of what the enemy looks like and got him to go spread the word that they are in trouble. So after that, Italon goes to Zalara asking about her daughter, Tamika, ask if there's a way to communicate with her. And then Zalara bites into this magic apple, throws it up in the air, and then the necklace that Tamika gave to Zalara to give to Italon blew up, killing her and hurting Zalara. Oops! Big oops. Um, so we were we started off with the East Front crew, I guess, uh, of Rosie, Drathan, Usk, and Nita. And they had been sent on a mission up to the Pallades Mountains up to Paragon. So they were just walking into town and had gotten to the Ambrosia Nap, where they got to meet Golly Passbender and Clementine, who is going to lead them through the uh, pass. And then uh, we popped back over to our west side peeps who were in the process of dealing with an exploded elf because um, Zalara had handed Italon her apple, or no, had thrown the apple in the air to indicate to T Tamika that her mother wanted to talk to her. And instead of indicating, well, I guess that would be an indication, but uh, yeah, Italon exploded. And then we were dealing with the repercussions of that and were able to talk um, Talana into basically gathering the troops and getting things ready to go and decided as a group that we needed to head over to the Red Grove to protect the heart tree because clearly things are going south. Oh, and Solara went and said goodbye to her definitely going to die in the next battle uh, love interest. Kyber. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whose name I can't even remember. Kyber. <laughs> so in the last episode, the side crew went through the pass out of Paragon. Uh, whilst travelling we saw lots of lights and heard banging from the walls around us and apparently that's a new thing that's only started happening recently. When we came to take a rest, um, we got attacked by undead who were exceptionally brutal to animals in the fight. Uh, my, <laughs> I had a direwolf that went down in one round from full. Um, we managed to survive the fight and we came back across to the main crew. We went to say goodbye to Zara's mother who was going to the Devil's Claw with a retinue of fighters. And uh, Cam Bonetooth came out and uh, gave, okay, they had a passionate kiss together. And that's where we ended. So we have an awkward conversation with Cam about kissing Zalara's mother. Um, we find out that the soldier who we've been traveling with, his name is Tyron. Tyron? Yep. I think. Um, we discover Dulod's backstory a bit, um, that he was part of experiments and he had to ex help experiment on other people in order to stay up the food chain and that he escaped 
um, somehow, just some through some weird magic stuff, probably through his uh, patron, I'm guessing. Um, then as we're traveling, we notice a black dragon flying in the sky. Uh, Garen sends Xena up to investigate in the owl form drawing the dragon's attention, but we're able to very stealthily get away from the dragon, um, possibly Marat Hall's dragon. And as we get closer to the red grove, red leaf grove, um, we hear the sounds of battle. Dulad goes and investigates invisibly, seeing that another wyvern and scribe are fighting Talana and her scouts. We convince Zalar that it's better for us to just continue on to the grove. But as we're going, the wyvern and scribe come up to us or, or fly above us, I guess, just checking us out. Um, but then Dulad shoots at it and then we promptly pummel the crap out of the uh, the scribe, killing it. I think that's where we ended that part. Right? So we started off with the Eastern crew confronting a demon and some lesser demons. Uh, they had a pretty good fight until Drathen did his turn the faithless and then kind of ended it abruptly as they ran away. Um, back on the western side, the Chaos Quartet, uh, they made their way to the Redleaf Grove uh, where they met an Int and no Druids who left probably as a distraction from for Marat Hall so they wouldn't point the way to the Redleaf Grove. Um, Zalara started praying, trying to figure out what she was supposed to do. Um, and then she didn't get any information from Shamhara. And so Margaret insisted that Zalara touch the heart of the heart tree. Insisted a strong word. Suggested. Strongly at the very suggested. <laughs> um, and Zalara <laughs> was like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. And so she touched it, sending up a beacon to everyone um that where the red or the heart tree is so marat hall came swooping in on his giant black dragon and threatened to kill us all we fought a dragon <laughs> <laughs> and one uh no we were in the that it was just the chaos quartet last time and we started off in the grove of the red leaf uh protecting the heart tree as Marat Hall and his dragon Zabula uh, showed up and Zabula and Marat Hall uh, are real real tough to beat but they we had some treants that fought on our side and between all of us we managed to take the dragon down Garen got the killing blow and that's where we ended oh and Zalara was told to open the gate basically that is this heart tree by mixing her blood with the sap of the tree and letting it fill the pools. So we're two rings out of four, I believe. Three. Three? Oh, the last one lit up? I didn't yep. catch that. Three or four. We continued the fight with Marat Hall. Uh, we it started with Marat Hall doing a chant and glowing red and getting what looked like more dangerous. Uh, we opened, the, the portal opened and we were starting to talk about escape. Uh, Marat Hall jumped up to right next to the portal Garen tried to restrain him with a resilient sphere, but unfortunately, Rathall managed to stop that from going off. Uh, Garen ended up running through the portal. Rathall then tried to stop both Margraine and Dulad from getting through the portal with a dropping ice rocks on them. That managed to kill Margraine or take Margraine down. He's not necessarily dead yet. With the um, Dulad then tried to make his escape through the portal, but unfortunately suffered a attack back from Rathall and dropped. Faced with an impossible decision, Zalara decided to stun Rathall, take the stone, and go through the portal, leaving the fate of both Dulad and Marat, uh, 
Margraine unknown at the moment. Whilst in the portal, uh, Garen and Solara travelled through space and time and found that they had to traverse the infinite staircase to get a chronolo key and to get back to the material plane. And they found that there's a possible key with a fawn on the landing of Fortune, but nothing on the staircase is free. Uh, so last episode, um, we picked up with the east side crew on their last day of journeying through through the pass um, we learned a lot about kind of the empire and a lot of information was conveyed about what we were going to do and how we were going to go um, we got to the first major checkpoint of the empire outpost 89 yep. and um when we entered we saw really kind of the empire as a whole we saw um, we, we, we saw a shanty town with kids trying to flee over the border, people trying to leave the empire, and the soldiers that were basically abusing them and not letting them through. Um, we started to investigate, kind of, or at least uh, throw about what we were going to start doing, trying to proceed along with our, our task that we think we have, and decided to follow up on a lead given to us by our nice cleric friend of somebody who might be able to help us in the Empire. Um, we then um, finished up the episode with uh, the departure of Margaret, who uh, had indeed been confirmed killed from two episodes back. So, um, yeah. And but that's he's a real dwarf it. now. He's a real boy now. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and that's where we left it. 